This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam's about to get fit AF. Charlene is the captain of her ship. And we talk temper tantrums. Not us though, the kids. All right. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm uh, okay. Like it? Yeah. Nice. Um, Let's get into it. Bombing yeah. at momming. Okay. Bombing at momming. Hmm. I am... Um, I'm about to get jacked, not because I care about what my body looks like right now. Mm-hmm. I have just, if to get very real with you, I've just ha- been panicking. Yeah. L- the little things. And for those who have had panic attacks before or suffer from anxiety, I mean, this is me. I feel like I can't breathe mm-hmm. or, and all that I'm about to vomit. And I have a very, like a, there's an elephant sitting on my chest. Yeah. And I am getting nothing done. And obviously this impacts on my family life. Mm. So I haven't been running. With Ray being away, it's just been difficult to juggle all of that. But it's something I have to prioritize. And so I'm going to be getting into it again. So it's just to relieve stress and anxiety to just kind of press the reset button a bit. Yeah. And I don't mm. know if anybody knows the Kayla Itzinus program and the sweat app and whatnot. I'm not doing that. But I listened to a podcast with Kelsey Wells who developed the the power program, PWR. And in this pod I had no idea guys, but you guys have to go listen to it. I'll link everybody up to this to this podcast. It was uh, it's called Career Stories and it followed Kelsey Wells's career stories. And you think this woman grew up wanting to be a personal trainer and um you just know, being just, a fitness just, fanatic. Exactly. And, mm. No, she was a mom just like you and me. And um postpartum she had terrible anxiety. And I, f- you know, when someone like hits a nail on the head, oh right. So she started feeling anxious, and she mentioned all of those symptoms and said she started working out when her baby was eight months old, and she was at home and trying to run her own business with baby in hand, and she had a panic attack, and she didn't want to take medication. And one of the nurses said to her, "Have you tried exercising?" And it was just like, "Fuck me, really? I got to exercise?" But it's not about just the anxiety feels so enormous that you can't imagine that exercise would do anything for it. You feel like you need a fucking horse tranquilizer to get rid of this anxiety. And I was just like, that's how I feel. And here she is telling her story. And four years down the line, she's in such a good space. Look, I don't intend on being this amazing, you know, uh, workout fanatic and Instagram star, you know, (laughs) who makes my money off of the sweat app traveling the world doing like like what Kelsey Wilds does, you yes. know, is inspiring women to because she's now a certified personal trainer. But the fact that her journey started in fitness not to get jacked, but to manage her anxiety and it worked. As a coping mechanism more than anything she's else. She's like, Sam, you know this. You know you need to be running for your insanity and why did you stop? 
So that's how I'm bombing at bombing. I need to put myself first. That and this weekend, um, it's more of a... Uh, I, I needed an alternative to bombing at momming. So I said a hashtag wifey for lifey moment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I organized a bride for Let's my husband. See if that starts trending. <laughs> yeah, wifey for lifey. <laughs> organized a bride for Ray. He, he doesn't make a plan to see his friends. He works. Mm. And if he's not working, his downtime is with us. And so I had friends of his over uh, on Saturday just so it could be like, see, you need to do this more. That's like very nice of you. It's important for him to do that. Look, we have our mutual friends and I've got my friends and I think I'm very cognizant of making time for my friends. But Ray is more cognizant of making time for his family when he is I home. I suppose because if he's not working, his only other spare time he has is to spend with his family. Yes. Yeah. And then we make the effort to go and see his brother or mm. his mother or my parents. Then you've got to attend to family. Yeah. I know, Ray does the same actually. His he's off time is reserved for us or the rest of yeah. the family. He hardly ever makes time to see his friends. And I think it's just maybe because they feel like I'm a dad, I'm a husband, these are my responsibilities. Yeah. When do they ever take time to just do something for them? Well, Ray's not the kind of person to go have a beer at the pub while he watches the rugby. Mm. He actually went, took Elijah to soccer Saturday morning and didn't go watch the rugby, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I made that a priority. That's And nice. I think that's my bumming and mumming. Bad mom moment. We'll remember the iPad, mm, Sam well, and Elijah time. Yes, just because it's easier while Ray's away. Yeah, and it was going to disappear and be a special mom and Elijah thing when Ray got back. Uh-huh. Didn't happen. <laughs> it was going to disappear. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, Elijah woke up promptly at six. And I always say, first ask me nicely and then give me a kiss and a hug. Yeah. And then I'll go get your iPad. Mm. Currency, man. So he learned and... Quickly on Sunday, he said, he woke me up. He said, Mommy, I'm giving you a love. And he gave me a love and he said, and a kiss and another one kiss. And he gave me these delicious kisses. Such a nice way to wake up. And then he said, now please can I have the iPad? <laughs> yes, like you're doing well in this. At least your kid understands that these are the boxes I need to tick <laughs> before I can get what I want. So you're doing well. Well, that's my, that as is actually my bad mom moment because... He watched Paw Patrol on Saturday and Sunday from 6 in the morning till 8 o'clock when Ray and I eventually woke up. So he had four hours of screen time over Saturday and Sunday. And uh, then it happened again this morning and I said, and I warned him, I said, this is going to be your weekend treat. We are not doing this every morning anymore. Then again, Ray's going away for the World Cup at the end of, well, in September till November. So Yeah, you're probably going to have to. <laughs> Probably not going to go away. My kids get way too much screen time. I'm listening to you tell the story. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the worst parent <laughs> in the world. Jesse literally every single solitary day of my life wakes up at half past four. What? Cries. And then she wants to come to my bed. I hear her calling from her room. Mama, mama. And as I walk into her room, uppy, pad, uppy. Had she wants the iPad. Oh I must pick her up God. so I can and get into the iPad. So she can go to my bedroom and then and she will scream her head off like 
tantrum, her head off, if I don't get her the iPad. And then everyone else is still sleeping. Her brother's still sleeping. And I'd really like to sleep some more still. So what do I do? I give her the iPad, I turn the volume right down and put her in my bed and then I sleep next to her while she was, <laughs> watches the iPad. I'm not alone. That's the whole point <laughs> of this podcast. That makes me feel better. I am bad, Sam. I, the guilt <laughs> I carry around these days about my kids and screen time, it's severe. Yes, yeah. Okay, so and then I wonder why sight. they tantrum the way they do. Mm, okay, we're going we're gonna to get to that in this, in this episode. So um, tell us about... You're bombing at momming this oh, week. Oh, I think I'd say I was bombing at momming this week because I had a lot on my plate. Rhett was severely ill um, with a 24-hour, supposedly 24-hour bug, um, which lasted like four, five days. He's still sick. He's he's on the mend. But yes, like he was man down. Someone has a voodoo doll on your family. I don't know what's going on. I think it's his stress levels, though. I yeah, think so it, it like he probably has an ulcer as well, which we have to get checked out so when he does get like like stress levels then I think it just flares mm. up and then it it manifests in the form of like a stomach bug so I've been dreading the kids getting it Josh has also had a bit of an upset stomach but no temperature no severe vomiting or anything like that um but he was literally man down and red's quite good with helping even though he's sick he was unable to lift his head off the pillow and when he did it was so that he could go and hang his head over the toilet so um I was on duty with the kids alone and things at work were quite hectic and he still had to get up and go and work on Friday and had a crazy busy weekend as well so he had to work through his illness I felt very sorry for him so I suppose I was bombing at momming just because I managed to keep the ship afloat and steer the ship forward while I had a sick husband and two very demanding children. Well done, Captain. And then I'd say my bad mom moment, I'll just, as a blanket statement, my bad mom moment is always that I give my kids too much screen time these days because if I need them to keep quiet or do something to stay out of my hair or not fight with each other so that I can just get shit done, I put them in front of their iPads. They've each got their own and that's it. You heard it starts at half past four in the morning. It's (laughs) so fucking terrible, but I'm hoping that this too shall pass. Can someone tell us we're not alone here I don't know I think you need to be just more diligent and I don't have it in me to be diligent I'm just like it's easier take the fucking iPad and stop screaming I don't fucking care Mm. (laughs) Um, so then I'd say my biggest bad mom moment was that I actually was happy and was quite looking forward to getting rid of my kids for Saturday evening so I could go on a binge drinking spree for a bachelorette <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night, which was nice. And I managed to have a decent, nice time without uh, having a major hangover the next day. I'm not sure how I did it, but I didn't hang well over done. Didn't hang over on Sunday. So that my bad mom moment was just that I was excited to get rid of my kids for the night. <laughs> that's not so bad but well well done it actually looks like you won the weekend i'm tired because so i did yeah because i partied and <laughs> uh, although I, I slept a solid six hours on saturday night we got home at really late early hours of the morning i slept a solid six hours uninterrupted which is more than i get on a normal night when I'm home and putting the kids in bed. So that speaks volumes. That's winning. <laughs> I would say you're winning mostly this weekend. And again, I'm, I'm about to cut you down to size. 
sorry. <laughs> Let's hear it. Last week we spoke um, about first foods and I made you feel like a shit mom because of your picky eater. <laughs> whereas Elijah eats everything. Yeah. Um, this week I'm about to rub your face in your child's temper tantrums. And I mean, we got to go there. So sorry. Let's do it. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. Okay, so yeah, so we we actually came up with this uh, topic because you are in it. You, yeah, I'm battling. Uh, yeah, with the kids, and it's a tough one. I think I think if anything makes you feel like a really shit parent, it's temper tantrums. I think also you're right. It is. I mean, there's a lot that makes me feel like a shit parent, um, and recently more so. A couple of weeks back, you and I had a discussion where I was just not coping with the demands of the children. And, and at that point in time, Josh was particularly difficult. Um, Jessie's teething. She's cutting so many teeth all at once. So she's irritable and tantruming all the time. Plus, she's a fiery redhead. So she just has... And it's so true, isn't it? I mean, it's, that's like a... Is, it's not even an old wives' tale that redheads are... No, I mean, you can... We joke about it, but she literally... That kid gets upset about... You, from when she was a little, little baby. Don't tell her no. She gets this, like, look on her face. Then she starts gradually going red. Like, her skin, like, turns red. And then she shakes her little hands. And she angers herself so much that she runs out of breath. So she's out of breath before she can scream her first scream so she's got to wait to fill her lungs with air and then only she can let out her <laughs> first scream it's really it, I laugh because we were telling friends about it the other day she got angry at me like angry where she went red from head to toe um, because I wouldn't allow her to stick her toothbrush up my bum <laughs> as I was getting out of the bath she's trying to stick her toothbrush because I gave her the toothbrush her gums are really irritable so I let so her bite like, on the to toothbrush so I'm in the bath Josh is once again in front of the iPad and I'm trying to get out of the bath and as I bend over to dry my legs I feel something <laughs> being pushed up my bum so I jerk and I'm like whoa what are you doing so she's trying to she's like in 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 <laughs> she wants to push the toothbrush into my bum i'm like no jess that's naughty and obviously i said the no word so she just lost her marbles and she starts shaking her little hands like back and forth like she's almost getting like a little epileptic fit and then she just runs out of breath and then she lets out this high-pitched screech and then just tears like the biggest tears that you'll ever see in your life and you kind of you you kind of want to laugh it's cute Did you go, okay stick your toothbrush <laughs> up my bum that's that's okay and i was t <laughs> i was telling f friends or family about it two weekends ago that she did this and then the one uh, someone at the party said come on be honest you sometimes just piss her off so you could see her reaction because it's because <laughs> it's so funny i don't because i actually feel really sorry for her but i'm sure if i had to video it it would be really funny <laughs> for someone to see 
But yeah, so I feel bad videoing our kids' bad moments. Especially when they have honest. a bad moment like that, yeah. So when I'm in it often, I think, fuck, I, I need to put this on camera so I can show someone. It's really hilarious. Shame. So yeah, you got your, your work really actually cut out for you because of Jess. Yeah, but the thing is also she is, um, it's not, it's not, I can see her temper is showing, but I know when we get to the age that Josh is at now with her, I think I'm probably going to have more of a difficult time with her than what I am having with Josh now. Okay, but tell us, because I'm scared, because Elijah's a year behind, um, well, a year younger than Josh, Josh um, and he's quite a mellow kid, which I'll get to, but I mean, this is about temper tantrum, so I, wanna, I want you to tell, because I know Josh, wh- how Josh tantrums and... Mm. Uh, uh, let's talk more about that. You have touched on it through certain episodes when we did the discipline episode, and then he would have been Elijah's age, actually. Mm, mm. Um, tell us tell us about the worst, probably the worst, that has happened with Josh. L- let me just, just quickly dis- add a disclaimer here. I think that Josh is a very sensitive kid, so I don't think that he, it is the norm. What what Josh is doing or going through, what I'm experiencing with him, I don't imagine that it is the norm. I don't. You think actually that it have is always had that gut feel, mm. and we always say, "Listen to your gut," mm. and you've always said that. You you've said, "Sam, it's not normal," and mm. I'd be like, "Oh man, that's kids tantruming," and you just you've always been very resolute in. This is not right. This doesn't seem normal. Well, to put it into perspective for you, I've always told my other mom friends the same things I tell you, and Josh's uh, our baby massage. A group of moms, and the majority of us stay friends. I've often spoken about them on the show. And um, Josh now goes to a Montessori preschool owned by one of my mommy friends from the baby massage group. And she's the principal there. And so I've always spoken to my friends about Josh's behavior. And it's not like that every day. It flares up from time to time. And when we've gone out on like girls' nights and we've just spoken to each other about, yes, these kids are getting so difficult. I feel like I'm shouting all the time, whatever. Um, I would tell them about these things that I'm feeling with Josh. And they'd all be like, ah, don't worry. Mine's doing this as well. Or this happened the other day. And a couple of months ago, I had a, we had a severe meltdown with Josh. And it was, I'll explain what happened in more detail just now, but it it was quite a bad one. And I got to school and I was, uh, red dropped him off actually. And so the teacher saw how Josh was behaving for the first time since she met him. Josh's class teacher. And she's known, oh, the and class teacher. Class okay, teacher. Just the principal that has known him since Yes, he, yes. He like and so, weeks. but even the principal has never seen him act out in this way that he was acting out that way, which is what I've always been saying. My kid does this and I'm worried about it. And so the teacher, because when, when I've told his teacher how he behaves, she's like, I can't believe you're talking about the same child. He is. Yeah, because how I know Josh, he is. Sweet. Yeah. Quite mellow. He gets excited, but I mean, no more than a normal child. And I, I feel like when, I'm, when he's tantruming like that, I want to video it to show someone just this is what I'm talking about. Mm. This is not normal. And so he was behaving like that. Um, uh, to cut a long story short, he, after he left home, now the drive to school is probably about 20 minutes. 
about 15 to 20 minutes prior to leaving the house, he started tantruming. And it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And we had to leave. So why did? What was the cause of that? I think on that particular day, it was that he wanted his dummy to go to school. And the rules are, a dummy is for bedtime. So you get on your bed, his dummy is attached to his bunny, um, which is basically like his doo-doo. And Bunny comes out of his secret place at nighttime, um, only when you make a doo-doo at nighttime. And then when you get off your bed in the morning, Bunny stays on the bed and um, throughout the course of the morning, Bunny goes to his secret place until he reappears at nighttime. And that morning, he would not let go of Dummy. He wouldn't get off of his bed. He would not let go of Dummy. And we fought and fought and fought, and I begged and I pleaded, and finally, we were running so late, he had to brush his teeth, wouldn't eat his breakfast, wouldn't get dressed, and I finally took the dummy from him to say, my boy, we have to go now, you cannot have dummy. This, You know this, this is not new to you, we've been doing this for months now, since you've been going to school. Mm. The dummy doesn't go in the car. And um, he lost his marbles, and I felt terrible because maybe I should have just let him have the dummy because then we never would have had the meltdown. But then I thought to myself, am I setting boundaries here or yeah. what is happening? And then happening? he gets away with it. And yeah, you choose your battles and whatever. But And at the end of the day, it's just a dummy. But I'll, I'll tell you where we're at now once I've told you this story. Mm. We took the dummy. He proceeded to tantrum and meltdown, tantrum and meltdown, throughout his brushing of teeth, throughout trying to give him his breakfast, throughout getting him dressed. What's he doing? Is he crying? It starts. It starts off with crying and um, like falling down on the floor, refusing to get dressed. Um, you know, when they make their, their bodies like stiff or impossible to do. Or like only too malleable where they go like yes, jelly. Yes, they like fall like yeah. jelly onto the floor <laughs> or whatever. And then it progressively gets worse. Like he goes from being upset about not getting his way to angry um, with you. Where I can see he gets these vicious eyes. Like I call them vicious eyes because he literally, he'll bite down on his teeth and he'll, teeth and he'll shout at me like, no, mommy! Like that. And then I try and hug him tight. I do all of the things I've read in books. I do all of the things. Hold him for long. Hold him for long. Talk quietly in his ear. Say, my boy, I know you're upset. Use your words to talk to mommy. All of the fucking bullshit I've read. I call it bullshit because in that moment, I feel like it's all bullshit. Even though it's all solid, sound, good advice that professionals have come up with. It might work on some kids. Yes, but it does not help with Josh. Not when he's at that point. And he realizes also, he gets to a point where he realizes, okay, my parents are not going to budge on this matter. And instead of being like, I'm sorry, mommy, but please can I have the dummy? Instead of being like that, he'll be like, okay, so mom, you're at a 10 when it comes to your no. This is a hard no for you in, if we're going from, if we have to measure it on a scale from 1 to 10. This is a no, uh, a 10 level no. So cool, I'll come at you with a 20 level fucking furious. And then it just goes pear-shaped. So now all of this is happening and he... He gets angry to the point where you can't control him and you can't bring him back from how angry he is. So what we have to do is just live through it. Dress him 
two adults whilst kicking, screaming. Um, finally, eventually, it goes so bad that he starts making himself want to vomit. He's so upset. And then I get upset. And so um, in this particular instant, I smacked his bum that morning to try and snap him out of it. Mm. But instead, what I do is I, I'm, I'm putting input. So with a small, like with a small baby, where you're supposed to take away stimulus – I'm adding. adding. I'm yeah. adding. I'm screaming. Jess, Rhett's upset. Jessie, Jessie just like, she looks at us like we're fucking crazy. She's like, what is this dude doing? <laughs> Carries her on about her merry way. So finally, then he has to get in the car. Obviously, he doesn't want to get in the car because we've taken his dummy away and now he doesn't want to go to school. So now we're forcing him into a car seat where he's like kicking and oh, banging his head. And like and that's near screaming. impossible to mm-hmm. get them into that damn car seat. So that morning I said to Rhett, fuck this kid. I can go. I can go. He, I can outlive his tantrum by a long shot. If we have to go fucking seven days deep and he's still tantruming, bring it, booty. I'm on. That's how, that's how angry and gutful I was at that point. Because I just felt like, why am I always giving in to this kid's tantrums? Because if I give in to his tantrums and I give him what he wants, am I saying that this behavior is okay? Yeah. You don't, it's okay, you don't have to get into your car seat. Yeah. It's okay, you don't have to brush your teeth. It's okay, you don't have to. It's fine, take the dummy. As long as you keep quiet, just don't upset, don't be upset, don't be upset. I'm not going to pander to him in that way anymore. Granted, he's only three. So am I making a mistake by doing that? Well, who the fuck knows? I don't fucking know. So that day I said to Rhett, can you live with him screaming like this in the car? Because I thought to myself, he'll get to the corner, he'll see the big sports BMW on the corner of Cedar and Vitkop. And he'll be distracted. And he'll be distracted and he'll ask his dad if he can have an orange car like that one day and like he always does and so we'll be fine. So 20 minutes of tantruming at home, proceeds to tantrum while we strap him into the seat in the car and off his dad goes. 20 minute drive to school, not does not budge one iota and at this he, stage still screaming screaming crying, losing his looking like he's gonna vomit don't look at me don't no no he doesn't say don't look at me no don't see me don't see me he's yelling like angry 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 and then um obviously hurting his throat because he's screaming so loudly and then finally his dad red's got quite a calming effect so red can be very calm even though on the inside he's losing his shit he can on the outside be seem very calm and red tried that approach with him the whole way to school and it did not work so when josh was little i don't know how it came about but we got this word that when i i was aware of not wanting to call the kids out when they're naughty to say no you're naughty or that's naughty because I thought if you're constantly being told that you're naughty you're gonna believe that you're you're gonna believe that you're naughty so I don't know why I came up with this word but when he was doing something naughty or or messing something up I'd say hey are you being a pumpy are you pumpy nanking on things I don't know where the (laughs) I, I trust me I have no idea where that word even came from so it's Part of our family's vocabulary now. Someone's being a, <laughs> the whole family, aunts and uncles, godparents, everybody's like, Josh, are you being a pumpinank? Are you my little pumpinank? So I don't know what it is, but anyway. So we call it pumpinank. And on the drive that morning, Josh is yelling at his dad, you're a pumpinank, you're a pumpinank, <laughs> you're a pumpinank, repeatedly yelling at his dad, crying, almost vomited in the car, finally gets to school, 
Won't let his dad take him out of the car. Screams. Red carries him, kicking and screaming, into the schoolyard. He's late for school. All the kids are already doing morning ring. He comes yelling down the corridor. All the teachers are peeking out of their classes to try and see what is happening. Finally, gets the, just about gets him to his classroom. Josh falls down on the floor, proceeds to wet himself. <sighs> and then the teacher's like, just go, just go. Tells Red to leave. Two minutes after Rhett was out the gate, he was completely calm. Mm-mm. Rhett proceeded to sit in the car and cry for about 10 minutes. Jesus. And then he phoned me and he was like, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Now tell me, Sam, what normal three-year-old fucking tantrums for in excess of 40 minutes at that level? That's, that was it for me, is the length of it. That was it for me. And then the teacher, the principal, my friend, messaged me to say, listen, your kid's teacher told me about what happened the other morning and why don't you come in for a chat so we can see if maybe we can help. Then I thought, oh, fuck, now I'm going to be told, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm being a bad parent, I'm doing this wrong, I'm doing that wrong, you need to go for therapy, you're scarring your child. I don't know what I was expecting, but I But you actually didn't want to, you felt shit about I it I felt already, like a terrible yeah. parent already, and now this is my kid making the scene at school, and also because he never behaves like that at school, they're going to think that we're doing something wrong at home, I'm sure of it. And so I, and maybe I'm doing something wrong at home, it's probably fucking all my fault, I don't know. It makes me sad to think about it, but I don't know what else to do. I'm doing the best that I can. I fucking don't know what to do. Mm. So then I met with her and I was crying that day as well when we had this meeting. And she said to me, to be honest, when you told me all these times that you're backing with Josh's behavior from time to time, um, I thought you were just being melodramatic because we all have toddlers who tantrum and we all battle. So um, I'm ashamed to say I was kind of just, thinking she oh, brushed Sh- it off, Charlene's yeah. being a drama queen that's what toddlers do but after the teacher told her what kind of transpired and the teacher only saw that small amount of it and then the teacher told her that Charlene says he started that at home already and that's how long it lasted that was a concern for her as well mm. my kid's not autistic if anyone's wondering um I, I don't know what it is he is severely sensitive he's a very sensitive kid like sometimes he'll do something and I can he'll say sorry mommy that's my mistake but he doesn't say oops it's not like a oops sorry it like affects it's, him I he's can see that he's genuinely broken by what he did he feels like he's going to be in deep trouble and then I think to myself am I that horrid of a mother that this kid feels like he's going to be in that much trouble for making a small spill or something on the tiles because I don't, not, I don't yeah. yell I do yell and I do scream and I do shout when they're naughty but I don't descend on them like a ton of bricks when they're just you're not the kids. kind of mother who like said when he made a poo in his, his underwear during potty training that's naughty yeah. and gave him a hiding yeah. or whatever it's you're part not of that la- no I'm not doing that so I don't know. And there have been times where it's, it, it started quite young already and um, uh, our mutual friend, Philippa, that's been on the show before, um, which we're going to be talking about again uh, on today's show about or with, um, I spoke to her about it as well because she's a registered counsellor and she's got a kid similar in age and she does play therapy with children. And so I asked her if she 
what her thoughts were on this. And she did do some exercises with him. And again, like at school, everything does not show one iota of this behavior. So it's really hard to gauge. I don't know. So the, the, the principal recommended play therapy because they don't know if it is a combination of his lack of eating and because sometimes if they don't take in off mostly if they don't get the right amount of nutrients and vitamins it affects their blood sugar levels which can cause irritability and then also the chemicals released in the brain if so this could tie in with it could the all be a combination of his yeah. bad eating bad eating leads to bad sleeping bad sleeping leads to serotonin levels in the brain coupled with him being a very sensitive emotional child um strong-willed as well and just spoiled as well and just used to getting his way I think it's a combination of a whole bunch of things and so the teacher recommended that I do take him for play therapy because and also he's got sensory issues so it could be that he gets sensory overload and then he doesn't know how to express himself and then once he's in that meltdown moment he just it spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals and once he's deep in it you can't really get him back out from it and then the fact that I get tired and emotionally charged he picks up on that it's such a shit show okay well look you know I don't have the answers and I'm not not even gonna go into into my child because yeah I was just gonna say Elijah does not do this kind of stuff does not do this kind of stuff he he goes to the naughty corner. Some, like, if he's crying because he's not getting his way, we send him to the corner, which is our bathroom. And we say, please go to the corner. Sit there and when you feel better, come out. And he does. And he literally does that. And he comes out and he wants a hug. And it's over. Josh will never do that. I have it's to drag him to the, to the get good corner and sit him there. And then he will... And he, Probably thrashes about and just loses. He'll his run shit into even the more. door. He'll like beat himself into the door repeatedly until I, until I open the door or until he wets himself or. Fuck yeah! It's just bad. Well, like I said, I I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't know what I'm doing at the best of times. But what I do know is this: there are people that are listening now that are the same as you that are at their wits' end, and so again. We have someone on the line. You mentioned Philippa. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're going to hit her up and get some answers for you and for some of our listeners that touched base over our social media stories. So stay tuned, guys. Right, Charlene. um, As I mentioned, our guest today actually needs uh, no introduction again and needs her own segment on the show, I think. Right? She's so wise. I know. We're (laughs) very lucky to to have her in our lives. Listeners, you'll have heard this power mom tell her tale on episode 19 of The Great Equalizer, which was titled Dealing with Divorce. But today, she joins us in a more professional capacity. And as a mom, Sam, Philippa Morassi is not only a registered counsellor, she's mom to sassy three-nager Aurelia and has not been (laughs) defeated yet. Yes, that's true. I think she can teach us a thing or two and is here to help you, Charlene, and our listeners. Thankfully, again, we have her on the line. Welcome, Welcome, Philippa. Philippa. (laughs) Hello, ladies. Uh, so lucky to chat to you. All the way from the UK and good weather today. I know. 
a sunny UK for a change. Nice. Oh, nice. And listen, last, <laughs> so last time we chatted, you were just about to head out on your big adventure with Aurelia. What has been happening? Tell us everything. So can you believe it's been three months, almost four, and we have settled in so nicely. I am with my family. Aurelia's just, uh, you know, we had a rocky start in the beginning, which we'll go through, but um, she has settled so nicely and we are really living our best life. We're enjoying the move. Oh man, it looks amazing. So again, for those of you who want to um, stay in touch to see what Phil and Aurelia are doing, Aurelia's adventures on Instagram and Facebook. You're still posting there, and, and I love all the updates. I have to say, it feels like yes. we're not missing a beat. So yeah. thank goodness for social media in that respect. I know. So we've um, Aurelia's had her her first book is being published at the moment with the whole move to the UK, um, and then we've done Aurelia's London adventure. And last weekend we did Aurelia's adventure to Brighton. So we went to the beach. Um, so all of those will be in the pipeline coming soon in the next couple of months. Yes, man. And we'll obviously be posting. We're doing a books episode soon, by the way. Yes. So, I mean, so of we'll course, you'll be that. featured there again. Yes. Lovely. But, okay, getting into the tough stuff, I think, way too quickly. Um, mm. But you mentioned that there were some big changes. And, and I mean, Aurelia was, had just turned three. So how, what did you yeah. notice in her behavior and how did you handle that? Well, she when she when Aurelia was born, she was a bit of a, a fussy child based on the fact that she had reflux. So she cried and screamed a lot in the first few months. And then once we medicated the reflux and she settled down from when she was about a year old up until she turned three. And that's when I, so probably the last six months where she was two and a half to three, I noticed that she was having more what, what the average person would call tantrums. Um, but I think important to distinguish as we chat between um, a tantrum and a meltdown. So a tantrum, I would say, was when um, she wanted an ice cream and I said no. And that was screaming and shouting because I, I had said no to something that she desperately wanted. And as we know with these little people, they, they want instant gratification. So they want what they want when they want it. Um, so there's no delaying in five minutes you can have an ice cream or tomorrow you can have an ice cream. They want everything now. So I did notice that she was becoming a bit more verbal with the with shouting and having these tantrums. Um, and then when we moved, obviously I took this poor child away from everything she knows, everyone she knows, into a new house that wasn't actually her stable environment. So we were um, staying with my mom and then we were downstairs in the guest room and then we spent a weekend with a friend and then we moved into our house and we went to go and visit people. So nothing was really stable for her. Mm. And that's when I saw that she was having more of a meltdown. And, and um, what, would, what where, were these meltdowns? What was she doing? So screaming as if she was being murdered, <laughs> just absolutely beside herself, screaming, 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 almost like glazed over eyes and full on tantrum to the extent where she, she made no sense and she was not taking in anything from the environment. So I had to just let her scream it out or sit with her um, and hold her hand and just let her scream until she was finished. Um, and that's the difference that I would say between a tantrum and a meltdown. Mm. So a tantrum is they're still conscious of what they are fighting about and they, they could probably still verbalize to you and say, I want an ice cream. 
Um, and it's still loud and it's still aggressive, but the meltdown is that one step further where mm. they're not taking in absolutely any input from from you. You get worked up, they get more worked up, and it just spirals. Um, I mean, I have a video of Aurelia screaming with my mom saying in the background, she's like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> It is like that, that is a very though. good description because when Josh has those it's meltdowns, quite, that's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like he's behaving like an animal. You can't, there's no verbal communication. You can't reason with him. It, his eyes, like he gets no. these terrorist eyes. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. There's no reasoning with a child who's having a, a meltdown. So it's almost waiting it out and just being patient. Um, in terms of strategy, I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel with it, but there's part of me that wants to just step back and watch it. <laughs> and the other part that wants to just hug her and just kind of hug it out. But I think it really depends on the child. So yeah. you can encroach on their space a bit much. Um, so you would have to kind of read the situation. There are some times where Aurelia has a meltdown um, and I can hug her um, and just let her cry it out. And there's other times where she def- she definitely does not want to be touched. So you've got um, to kind of gauge so the, the, the situation as well. Kind of yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so that that only happened then for the first maybe. So we were here, and then I think it hit through that there, there was changes. Um. So the first week was novelty, and then the, like week two, three, and four were quite hectic. Okay. And then she seemed to settle once we were in our own place, and she knew that this was our house, and she had her bedroom, and you know things became a bit more stable, and probably I became more relaxed. Um. Then yeah. she settled, and we're not having them anymore. Okay. Yeah. So I think what's important for parents to remember, and if I really had to simplify, you need to gauge whether they're behaving in a certain way because they're not getting their way or because mm. they're battling to cope with very big emotions. So if they are overwhelmed by the environment or so an auditory over, overwhelmed child is quite common because as you can imagine, you know, if you take them to a play area and there's just screaming kids all over the place and there's trampolines and there's lights and colours and everything, that whole sensory experience can be quite overwhelming. Mm. That's more likely to then be a meltdown for a child because it's just they cannot cope with so much input. Um, the tantrums are more about what I want mm. and that I'm not getting it. Mm. <laughs> as you can hear my child. <laughs> That was a yummy ice cream. Oh, hey. nice. She got her ice cream. <laughs> she got the ice cream. That she, but in her defense, she did wait an hour for it. Oh, so shame. I'm getting there. <laughs> That's good. Patience. Patience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh oh. On another ice cream. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think as a mom, you have to gauge between the two. Um, and then just see what kind of reaction is best. I struggle to regulate myself in those meltdown moments because it drives me, um, it, it like works me up. Mm, um, it's hard for a so parent, then yeah. I, So then you have to just be careful that you're not joining in the screaming. So there was a, a wonderful thing that I read that said, when a child is in the chaos, they need you to bring them calm, not more chaos. Mm, yeah. Which I think is really... You know, they, they're in their own chaos. You don't contribute to it. You try and bring them the calm, you know, which is hard. You know, it's easier said than done. 
Yeah, I was just about to say, because I battle with that, Philippa, I have, uh, I feel big emotions, I'm a very uh, melodramatic person, uh, my personality is always emotionally charged, so what I battle with in these meltdowns is, uh, it starts off as a tantrum and then develops into a meltdown, and so Josh is not a stupid kid, and uh, for the most part you can reason with him, and he's very clever, he knows how to get his way, and I know, yeah. I can pick up when he's manipulating me so what infuriates me and what makes it difficult for me to cope with in those moments is that it, I can see when he's being naughty and when he's being deliberate um, so it's hard for me to give in to what he wants because my choice literally is either I give in to what he wants or it turns in, it, it escalates to a meltdown and that's where I battle because I get so angry with this little person dictating to me and all I'm trying to do is mm. set boundaries and teach him because there's otherwise uh, there's nothing else in his life. He hasn't been through a traumatic experience. There hasn't been a major change. We haven't gone through a divorce. We haven't moved house. There's nothing that has emotionally upset his world. So it starts off with a, I can't get my way, but then turns into a meltdown. And then it's very hard for me to not also bring chaos because after yeah. the longer it carries on, the more at my wit's end I get. So how do you calm yourself? Well, two things to remember, I think, are we forget the days that we win. So there are some days where you get it right and he has the boundaries and he has the stability and the structure and the you mold his behavior and shape it well and that's a good day, but we forget. <laughs> um, so we tend to focus on, oh my word, I'm never getting it right and he's always having this, these tantrums and meltdowns, but you're not. You are winning some days. Mm. Um, so you are getting it right most of the time, it's just the days that stick in our heads are the ones where it's been a full-on tantrum meltdown. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that it, this isn't forever. <laughs> so mm. children aren't likely to continue with this behavior for years and years and years and years. Um, it is quite developmental. Mm. So we're in the struggle uh, two, two years old, three years old, sometimes four years old. Um, but by that stage, then they, they start going to school and they get... Um, behavior regulation from other people and they see what other children are doing so they do tend to settle down then from five and six okay. so it's not forever mm. <laughs> but how I cope with it myself when I am finding I actually can't I want to walk away I can't deal with the screaming I get my own auditory overload um, I try and think to myself if this was me having this tantrum or this meltdown what would I want someone to do so I wouldn't want someone to shout at me. Mm. I wouldn't want someone to lock me, not lock me, <laughs> put me in a naughty corner mm. and leave me alone. Isolate you, you know, essentially. Yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. So you don't want to be left alone with these great big feelings to try and deal with by yourself. You do need help. Mm. Um, and I think we want people to be gentle with us. So mm. as an adult, there are times in your life, be it at work or at home, where you have been so overwhelmed with your emotions that you've broken down be that uh, an absolute explosion of anger or tears or throwing things or whatever it might be. So as an adult, we're still struggling to regulate our emotions. Mm. And I think it's so hard for children for us to put these expectations on them that they should know or be able to manage their emotions all the time, every day, no matter what. And we can't do it ourselves. You yeah. know, we battle. Yeah, you're right. So I think it's about being gentle with yourself, with your child, Again, very easy to say and hard to do. Mm. Um, 
but those things like taking a breath and taking a step back and just thinking, what is overwhelming the child? What is it? How could I actually speak to him? Yeah. So uh, in my case, like in a professional environment, if I was in a, in a play therapy session with a child um, and they had a meltdown, what I would do professionally is step back a little bit and busy myself with something else in the room and make it so, so, so interesting that they just can't wait to come and see what I'm doing. Mm. So I start playing with a deck of cards and I start trying to sort them into numbers. Mm. Or um, I'll play with Play-Doh and I'll start making a snowman and I'll be like, oh, how many balls do I need to make a snowman? Um, or, or should I use red or blue to color in this picture? And I talk to myself mm. um, so that I then engage them out of the meltdown into something a bit more interesting that I'm doing that's much, much calmer. Mm. So it could be a puzzle, could be something. Um, but I would try and draw them away out of themselves and into something calmer. Almost so it's a, a bit like distraction. Mm. Yes, yeah. But but um, be really, really interested in what you're doing and vocalize it and, and draw them out of that space. Now, it doesn't work all the time. It depends on how severe, but it's yeah. something to try. Now, I've been telling Sam for the longest time that uh, oftentimes when Josh has these meltdowns that it's not normal. <laughs> so so in your yes. in your opinion, what how do you gauge normal versus not normal? And how would a parent know or, or some how would you know that it's time for therapy? So I would say if your child is doing anything that leads them to hurt themselves, if they are banging their heads against the wall or they're biting themselves or they're um, are lashing out very, very aggressively. So if they're harming you or themselves, then I would say best to seek out a professional advice um, because we don't want them to hurt themselves. We don't want to have these lasting marks where mm-hmm. forever they will see that, you know, they were biting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it also just, they might need a couple of extra strategies just to cope with those big emotions. Okay. Um, also, so if they're harming themselves or someone else, um, the big one is if it's dysfunctional behavior. So we don't look at normal versus not normal. Okay. We look at is this impacting the child's functioning? Mm-hmm. So are they able to go through an ordinary day and do ordinary things um, effectively? Or are they at the park and getting completely overwhelmed and having a meltdown in public every time you take them? Um, are they able to sit in a classroom at school or are they having major meltdowns from auditory input? Um, are they able to go out with you to a restaurant and be able to regulate their emotions, be that just with their parents or with other children that they might be playing with in the play area? So you're looking at are they able to function in all these different aspects of their lives mm. or are these meltdowns completely overtaking them? In which case we would say it's not really functional, so they would probably need a bit of extra extra help and guidance just to see can we teach them some better strategies. Okay. And what what about yeah. the parenting styles? One of our listeners asked um, whether parenting styles influence the frequency and intensity of tantrums. I would say definitely. Because I think if, if we look at ourselves and we look at our partners, we're likely to have quite different parenting styles. And you could probably see that your child is very different with you than they are with your partner. So... If you have a very strict parent, your child's behavior would likely be quite different with them. Um, I'm quite a liberal parent, so I just kind of go with the flow, um, try and keep the boundary and, you know, set the, set the rules and the guidelines, but I don't, I'm not a strict parent. 
And I see Aurelia is very different with me than she is with, say, her dad or with her gran. Um, and I think that that is, you know, it also happens if I'm having a particularly bad day and she can pick up on my tension or if I'm around people who make me tense. So she can tell if I'm with people and it's making me a little bit um, anxious or I'm snapping at her, then obviously her behavior changes and she becomes more clingy and more whiny and all of that. So they are very perceptive little beings. They pick up on the vibe. So if you are more authoritarian, then they are likely to be different than if you were very relaxed and liberal. So I think definitely does influence. How bad it can be. Yeah. And then yeah. how much would you say of your toddler's uh, tantrums or, or behavior depends on their personality? Do you think that it – because Sam and I often have this discussion where she's like, I don't know if it's too early for Elijah to start behaving this way or if it's just not in his nature because he does kick back a bit, but he's by no he's means – never, mellow. ever has a meltdown, hardly ever tantrums. Yeah. And, and his tantrum, Elijah's tantrum, what, what Sam constitutes as a tantrum, I look at him like, geez, that's my kid on a good day. It like lasts 30 <laughs> seconds if that. It, yeah. like, it doesn't last at all. You know, so I actually can't yeah. complain. So do you think it depends on personality or is tantrums an inevitable or, or the severity of the tantrum, um, would that depend on the personality type? Well, I think def- a combination because mm. we are who we are and we're born with a certain genetic predisposition mm. and with our parents and, you know, you and Sam are different people. Mm. So you react to situations very differently. Mm. And our personalities are shaped from our experiences and our upbringing and our value system and um, our moods and our everything. So I I could say as an anxious personality that I react to certain situations in a certain way. Mm. But someone who doesn't experience anxiety is very different Mm. so we can start seeing these things in our children and you are starting to see personality traits um i mean i haven't met elijah but i've met josh and he is he tends to be reasonably chilled but then (laughs) as he's developing he's hitting these developmental milestones which are general for all children so that's why i say it's probably a combination of both we are predisposed to have a certain personality type Mm. and that has different traits and characteristics um, but then developmentally, on a physical level, your body and physiolo- physiologically, you're going through certain developmental milestones at certain times as a child. Mm. Um, so they can be quite overwhelming, or the child can just take them in their stride because that's how they are. Mm. So it really is so individual to the child and to the parents and you know, no child in the world is the same because they've got different parents, they've got different genetics. They come up, they come, um, get brought up in a different family. So it really is so individual, but we try and find these patterns and traits to be able to guide people and say, this is what you can expect. But bear in mind, not all children will be able to overcome these challenges as easily as others. Mm. Now, I've no, I've gotten to 
uh, I've grown accustomed to Josh's ways. And for the most part, um, he, what his teachers at school are telling me is that when I tell them about his meltdowns, they can't believe that it is the same person I'm talking about. Until recently when they saw um, him in action for a brief moment, they saw him in action and they were like, we have never seen this side of him. But I find myself in a position where I can see when he's tantrum or his behavior is going to escalate to a meltdown and then I find myself giving in to him not not I try and not give in to him as much but just for the sake of avoiding the meltdown you choose your battle I try like I literally choose my battles because he gets so upset um that it's not worth it for me but then I also have to toe a line because if I keep giving in to him I'm saying that this behavior is okay um and yeah. and so I've tried to explain to him you got to use your words explain to mommy how you feel I understand you're upset but try and use your words to describe I do all of those things but how do you, without giving in to their, their every whim, how do you avoid a meltdown? Um, so I think what you're doing is wonderful because you are trying to encourage him to verbalize. Um, but when those emotions are so big and they're escalating and they're really becoming unmanageable, it's hard to verbalize them. I mean, it's hard for adults to do it. Um, so I would say keep doing that. Keep giving him the tools and the words to be able to describe it. Um, but maybe also bring in some pictures. So have mm. a little, um, almost like a temperature gauge that shows a green happy face and then it goes into a bit of an orange face and then it goes into red. And in those spaces where he is developing and um, escalating into a meltdown phase, just get him to point to where he is on the scale. Is it is he feeling okay? Is it escalating or is it getting to the red stage? Um, <clears throat> and that's why you're giving him another tool. So it's not just about words. Um, in terms of giving in, I agree you do have to choose your battles. And it's not about winning every single one. Um, so you have to gauge as a mom, is this going to impact him long term? Is this an absolute absolute train smash or is it okay to for the greater good you mm. know to get through this meltdown um it's interesting that the that the school environment doesn't see him the way that you do which this, i think is quite common because this is what when i had a, te- a meeting with the teachers at the school about this specific incident they were not worried, but they did say that they, they're wondering if it isn't because he knows he can manipulate me because he never, ever tries it with them. I mean, I will tell them things that he does with me at home about a simple thing. For example, his dummy is one. He never asks for his dummy at school. He goes to his nap without a dummy very easily. He doesn't even ask about it. And then he will, at home have complete meltdowns that can often last 40 minutes because he is not allowed to get his dummy for his nap. Another example would be where he his sister eats flings and he, or this morning is a perfect example. Rhett was having a piece of toast and he, it made him want to vomit. And so he almost, it started with tantruming and it was leading towards a meltdown I could see because we weren't allowed to come near him until I, I finally said to him, explain to mama how are you feeling? What is upsetting you? And then he said, it's making me feel to vomit because you have stinky breath. So I said to him, if you want to vomit, let mommy, I'm not allowed to be near him. So I said, 
walk to the toilet, I'll stand here and watch you. And he proceeded to vomit the little contents that was in his stomach out because it was making him feel ill, physically ill, the smell of breakfast on my breath. But then he'll go to school, he'll sit next to his friends who eat cheese, tuna pasta, flings, and he does not even, I've asked his teacher, he does not even react in the slightest way. The other morning I made myself a cup of coffee and he vomited all over the floor because he smelled the coffee. Not on my breath, in the kitchen. So why? how can a smell trigger you in that way at home, but at school, don't? It doesn't. And it could be that it's because he's around you that he feels safest with you. Okay. And it could to be express himself. with the smell. But it could be that he remembers that he can feel sick from a smell. So he's telling you, I'm not feeling good, but mm. I don't know why. Mm. So I'm going to say it's because of the smell, because that's easily identifiable and it's around him. And he's going to try and attribute why he is feeling bad to something. Okay. But it's not necessarily the smell. And mm. then because it kind of worked the last time, he's going to use it again. So it becomes almost a familiar thing. Though it's the smell that makes me want to vomit. Mm. But it might be nerves. It mm. might be if it's, if it's in the mornings usually and he's getting ready for school, it could be school-related anxiety. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I do find that children tend to, to show their true and sometimes ugly emotions mm. when they're with the person that they feel most comfortable with. Okay. which is often mum. Mm. Um, so then we, we see this child that just, you know, why are they doing this with me all the time? And they don't do this with their dad and they don't do this at school. And um, But I think it's because they feel comfortable and they feel safe. And then they show you what's really, truly going on. Mm. But it's a privilege and a curse. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. Well, so yeah. last question, because um, you've, mm. you've given us a lot of food for thought yet again. Um, and yeah. that's... You get the strong-willed children, and there's a lot of articles and Facebook posts and that. And of course, like in your mom heart, you want you don't want to to uh, quash the strong will, the fiery strong will in your child. So a question came through from one of our listeners in exactly that: um, How do you discipline a strong-willed child? I do think there's a bit of a line between. Discipline and tantrums, although it does blur. Mm. But um, mm. you know, you have the strong-willed child. You don't want that fire to, you know, to be doused at all. But you need to control it because you're the parent. What advice would mm. you give to the listeners in that respect? Mm. And I feel like this question covers um, whether or not we smack our children. Yeah, and sure. yeah, I feel like there's people who. Uh, one side or the other, there's people on the fence. How I look at it from a professional view is if I'm having super big, strong emotions, like I'm not coping with my life, um, do I want someone to come and smack me out of it? <laughs> because what we're effectively teaching our children from that is that it's okay for us to smack them, but it's not okay for them to smack. So mm. when they smack, it's wrong, mm. but it's okay for us to smack them out of big emotions. Mm. So I generally tend to say no smacking. Um, but not perfect. I smacked Aurelia on the hand the other day because she pinched me. And mm. it was a reflex. Mm. <laughs> so we're not perfect people, but we have a, as long as you have an idea in your head about what kind of discipline you're comfortable with, then that's okay. And I know that people our age tend to say, oh, yes, well, our parents smacked us and we're just fine. Mm. But if I look deep down in myself, am I fine? 
Mm. Am I fine as a result of those hardings? Probably not. So I would I would try not to do that with my child. So in terms of physical discipline, I would try other methods before you resort to that kind of um, yeah. discipline. Um, I would look at more positive discipline. It's, it's about encouraging the behavior that you want. Okay. Um, Again, very tricky with this age of children, especially toddlers, because they can only reason so much. So they don't have the fully developed abstract reasoning skills for you to be able to explain fully, you know, actions and consequences. So we can simplify it a little bit um, and we can say, um, so what I do with Aurelia is I say, if, <laughs> so now we've, we're going to get puppies. So <laughs> if I see a behavior that I don't like that is repeating, I, what I say to her is, Good girls need to. You need to be a good girl, um, and what you're doing isn't isn't what good girls do. Um, and remember, if you want to have the puppies, then we you have to do X, Y, Z. So it sounds like bribery, but it's a repeated thing that I use all the time to direct her towards this goal. Um, and it's more around we don't do that. So mm-hmm. we don't smack each other when she pinches me. I say. We don't, I don't pinch you. We don't pinch each other. We love each other. Mm. So it's more about, I try and reshape it. And look, ladies, I'm not perfect every time, but I try. <laughs> so when I'm in a good good parenting space, and that's the kind of thing that I would do. Mm. Um, and it's, it's so hard because also, depending on what kind of level of emotion you're dealing with, so if you're dealing with the meltdown, it's kind of hard to reason through the actions and the consequences. Mm. So that you might need to just wait a little bit until the child is able to absorb what you're saying. Mm. Um, but I would say always try for a positive spin on things. So not negative discipline in terms of smacking or taking away things that they enjoy. Maybe it's about giving them options of, um, I understand that you don't want to do X, Y, Z. What could we do instead? Mm-hmm. I think that empowering the child, even if they're young, um, giving them a limited choice of what they could do. So mm-hmm. It's up to you to give them the choice. That you can't say, what you know, yeah, what, what do we want you to, like do? to do? Well, yeah. Yeah. Would you, yeah, what kind? How many tears would you like on this cake? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about. I understand that you like you want an ice cream now. Would you rather have the snack here or the snack here or hot chocolate? Mm. Um, you know, give them concrete examples that they can choose from um, that you are okay with. Um, but then it it helps them to feel a bit more empowered that they might not be getting what they want or doing what you are trying to get them to do at that time. I mean, they might be being a little bit naughty, um, but redirecting in a positive way because we don't want to um, make the child feel bad, yeah. like a bad person for and doing X, Y, Z. At least it feels like they have options. I've noticed with Josh as well that he gets – uh, hell bent on this one thing because, and I've it, it seems to me when he's in that moment, like he feels like he's out of options. Like, I want this yeah. thing, I want this thing, I want this thing. So, if I explain to him that, okay, you can have this thing, but if you have this thing, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. So, here are the options what if we do rather this and this and this, then you won't get hurt and you won't spill on the floor. And so if I give him options, I've noticed he seems to, Mm. I seem to be able to avoid the meltdown. He's still upset, but he doesn't get to that level of upset. Yeah. And things like um, 
reinforcing what you've said over and over again and the repeating of it. So, and try and do that in more than one situation. So Aurelia will always want to use a whole book of stickers at once. Yeah. So I'll have to say to her, no, we're only going to use five now. So how many are we going to use? She says five. So I say five. We count out five stickers. When we've counted out five stickers, then she wants more. And I say, no, but remember, we said we're only going to use five stickers. And you said five. So look here, we've used five stickers. Yeah. Look at these stickers that you've used. There are five. Let's count them. It's like mind-numbing sometimes. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I put the stickers away. And yes, there's sometimes a little bit of a, oh, but I want more. And then we redirect into something else. Okay, we're done with those five stickers. What could we do now? Yeah. And then I have to remember the next time we do stickers, it's only five. Because otherwise, I'm completely rattling her. Mm. And then one day she's allowed five and one day she can have 20. Um, then someone else comes along and she can have a whole book. So it it's really them as well. Just, yeah. yeah. Just try what you can yeah. to create, yes, to, to create that consistency for them. Because... Life is confusing enough as it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they're looking to us for guidance on everything. And yeah. sometimes we can't even control our own emotions. So it is hard. Sure. Okay. That is, <laughs> you've given us so much to think about yeah. again. Thank you so much. That we could oh, tap good. into your brain from across the pond. <laughs> I know. And don't we, you love technology? I do. I do. Phil, we love you and we are rooting for you and we can't wait for those new books to come out and we're going to uh, promote the hell out of them and we just can't thank you enough for letting us pick your brain. Wonderful. Thanks, ladies. It's always a pleasure. Have a good afternoon. Cheers. <laughs> you too. Okay, bye. Sure, okay, it's a tricky topic. Yeah. It's hard because, I mean, we don't want anybody to see our flaws and our faults. And I think when it comes to our children, we all do want to look perfect. You just want to do your best. You just want to be good at it. You want to be a good parent. You want to you want to be the perfect parent. It's not possible. It's but really not possible. But you Everybody do just wants the best for their kids. So there's nothing wrong with feeling like you want to just be the best at it. Yeah. And then as moms, we all love giving advice. Mm. You know, we all love it. Oh, I've been there. What do you should? Blah, 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 blah. And you want to be in the position where you are uh, that person to go. I mean, I could very safely crawl into a group and be like, well, I've interviewed a lot of professionals and I've implemented so much with Elijah. We use the naughty corner. He never hits me. And his tantrums, he never has a meltdown. His tantrums last for 30 seconds, but he respects it. Like, I could really sit on a high horse in this instance. Mm. But I know that there's nothing about me that makes me a better mother than you. No. And uh, to be honest, and there's no easy way to come at another mother with that kind of advice. I've I've literally resorted well, to other people find it very easy. No, <laughs> I I it. genuinely don't because I think in my mind if I give her this advice, what if I just make her feel more shit about herself because she's well, already bad exactly, and that's so why I'm going to sit my mouth and shut tell too. her that I've got it fucking waxed, but I don't but have don't, it waxed. No. I might have had an instance where something worked for me, but also if I'm like, why don't you try this? 
Genuinely, do you think she hasn't fucking tried everything already? She's not sitting on her ass just letting problems happen and be like, oh, well, I don't know what to do about this. This person's a better better mother than me. You've tried absolutely fucking everything you possibly can. Yeah. Okay, guys. We could talk about this forever. And we got to keep talking. I think, so I wanted to say thank you for sharing and showing us the rawness of what happens in your family because not a lot of people want to admit it. You know, it is what it is. I can hide it and be embarrassed about it or not, but I may as well just talk about it because, first of all, it makes me feel better to get it out. And second of all, maybe there's somebody out there that feels like me and is too scared to tell anyone that that's what they're going through because for a while I felt like, I don't know if I want to tell anybody because I feel like I'm failing at this and it's just going to make people judge me. Or what if I am actually the problem? What if I am damaging my child and that's why he behaves this way? Maybe that's the fucking case. And if I am, enlighten me, please, if you're hearing me, because maybe you can tell me what the miracle cure is. Well, listeners, <laughs> we don't actually want your hate mail, but what we do want <laughs> is for you to chat with us, weigh in on something, swear, rant, cry, laugh. Tell us if you've hit a low. Tell us if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, because we don't know what the fuck we're doing to be honest i'm sob yeah i cry (laughs) when i'm sure you don't tune into these shows to listen to me cry but (laughs) we cry you have bad days you have good days tell us about them so we don't have to feel so alone dm us a voice note on instagram at the great equalizer podcast or you can record one on your phone and then you can hit us up over email the great equalizer dot z a at gmail.com and also just feel free to tag us we like to celebrate the good and the bad and we find it very hard as moms and in this journey of creating this podcast we've had to come up with ways to force ourselves to to see when we're doing well Mm. so in your instagram or your facebook posts your stories whatever um tag us with the hashtags bombing at momming or bad mom moment to tell us, share mm. your, your highs and lows, your fails and your wins. We want to know, we want to share, we want to celebrate, we want to commiserate with and you. And it might be the smallest of things, but we need to remind ourselves of the good days and the small victories. So if you think that you were bombing at momming, share us, share it with us. And I, if you had a bad mom moment, let's poke fun at ourselves. Yeah. Your support is super important to us. Um, you have no idea how much this camaraderie means to us to know that we're in this with you and there's so many moms out there that care about what we do. Every like, every love, every comment every share it means the world to us because it means that we are able to put our platform or this platform that we've created out there to reach as many moms as possible maybe we might be helping someone that's having a particularly bad day for sure guys please don't forget to review us on apple podcasts or rate us on facebook it just helps us be seen also if you want to be alerted when our episodes come out it's typically on a saturday but i mean we're we're just moms yeah we're yeah, not perfect so sometimes kid and then it's later <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know when it comes out hit the subscribe button on wherever you are following us spotify soundcloud uh, apple podcasts and let us know or so that you can be uh, informed of informed. when it's available the yeah. new episode and then let us know what you think about it um by liking once you've listened to the episode liking it sharing it or even commenting on it and the more we're seen the better this podcast will do and the better we'll be able to do for you 
And just a reminder, we have a competition running with Twist, Twist Shake. Shake. Yes. You stand a chance to win their six-in-one food processor. And this is all, it's, it's not strictly for the moms who are initiating first foods and no. starting the weaning journey, but it would really help if you are. Yes. That the stuff is the bomb.com. I'm and the reels you. are very, very simple. Not a lot of hoops to jump through. Just like or follow The Great Equalizer on Facebook or Instagram. And then do the same with Twist Shake. It's all on our social media, on our platform. Forms, go and check it out. Yeah, and tag a fellow mom or mom to be in the comments and share to your Instagram stories for an extra entry. It's not that easy to tag us, I don't think, in your Facebook stories. I've had a lot of listeners come at me and be like, I can't tag on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, so Instagram stories, and you can always share this, the post on Facebook yes. and tag us in that way. And don't forget to tag us so that we can uh, track what's happening and see who's entered. The competition will run until 12 p.m. on the 30th of August and terms and conditions do apply. So guys, that is it for this week. Until next time, keep, keep your, your mom game strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we'll get back to you.